the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Our goal should always be restoration, not condemnation. And we restore with a spirit of gentleness, considering ourselves. And he says, you know, considering ourselves, the idea is, you know, we could fall into the same sin as this person. We're no better than them. And so we want to be gentle in the way that we restore them. In today's message, Pastor Dan will encourage you to model the same grace and mercy that God has given to you. Oftentimes when we hear of someone making a mistake, we can be quite angry. We can get frustrated and demand the worst possible punishment. But what if the tables were turned? What if it were you who was looking for mercy? You might not be so adamantly demanding the worst punishment. As believers in Christ, it's important to remember that we're all the same in need of grace and mercy. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Genesis chapter 38 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. God is the same today as he was then. He hasn't changed his mind about sexual immorality. And if you are involved in sexual immorality of any kind, I hope you take this verse to heart. I hope you take this verse to heart. Now look at verse 11. So then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Hey, remain a widow in your father's house till my son Sheila is grown. For he said, lest he also die like his brothers. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. It's interesting to me that Judah thought the issue was with Tamar and not his sons. That that Tamar must be the problem and not the morality of his own kids. You know, she must be putting poison in in, in their coffee or something. There's some re- something she's doing that's killing my sons. And it can't be my son's fault. And, and verse 11 here is really the, a very important verse in the whole passage, in the whole chapter. What Judah says to Tamar in verse 11, uh, it, it sets off a whole bunch of alarms for us and a whole bunch of flags. For two reasons, really. Number one, As I said earlier, when Tamar married Judah's son, she became part of Judah's family. She was no longer part of her father's household. She was part of Judah's household. She left and cleft to Judah's household. And Judah, as the patriarch of his family, he was responsible 
for Tamar. He was responsible for her provision. He was responsible for her protection. Even though she's a widow now, she's still part of Judah's household and still Judah's responsibility. So when Judah tells Tamar to go live in her father's house, again, to us today, you know, yeah, sure, you move back home with your parents. It, it, it makes sense. But, uh, but when Judah tells Tamar to go live in her father's house, he's actually abandoning his responsibility to Tamar. She's not her father's responsibility anymore. She's Judah's responsibility and so he, he's, he's abandoning his responsibility to take care of Tamar. Secondly, the second thing that sets off alarms for us is he tells her to just remain a widow. <laughs> Until, he says, the third son, Sheila, is old enough to marry. But we know from the passage that Judah does not intend to give her in marriage to her last son, Sheila. He's just telling her this. He's, he's deceiving her. And so he says, you, you, just, you just remain a widow, but he has no intention of giving her to his last son. So she's going to just remain a widow for, forever. And again, as a widow, Tamar will not be able to provide for herself. She'll be destitute. She can't remarry because Judah told her to remain a widow. So, so Tamar here just kind of puts her in, or, or Judah puts Tamar in limbo. And it's not until... Sheila is old enough for her to marry that Tamar realizes what Judah's true intentions are. And so this is, verse, verse 11 is unbelievable that this guy would do this to Tamar. You know, this is, you know, to maybe kind of tie in an application for us today, uh, this, this is like a husband who just abandons his responsibility to his wife and kids. And, and makes no provision for them. You know, just, just leaves. And leaves them with nothing. You know, or, or, a, or a parent maybe who just puts a kid out that's not even an adult yet or something. You know, it just, it, it's mind-boggling that he would do this. And just, you know, now he's, gonna, he's, just, he's just leaving her and handing her over to just a life of destitution. Putting her in a really tough spot. And so verse 12, now in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died and Judah was comforted, meaning he mourned for his wife. And then he went up to his sheep shears in Timnah and his friend Hira the Adulamite uh, was with him. Verse 13, it was told Tamar saying, look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear sheep. Verse 14, so she took off her widow's garments, she covered herself with a veil and wrapped herself and she sat in an open place which was on the way to Timnah, for she saw that Sheila was grown and she was not given to him as a wife. So she waits uh, and can, remains a widow, expecting to marry Sheila. And time goes by, years, I suppose, go by until Sheila is old enough to, to marry. And she realizes now that Judah doesn't intend to give her to Sheila. And so she hears that he's going up to a place called Timnah uh, to shear his sheep. Now, sheep shearing time was, was like, it was like the one payday of the year for a shepherd. This is when the big windfall comes. This is what you've been waiting for all year. So it's a time of great celebration. 
And Tamar, again, she hears that her father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So she dresses as a prostitute and waits for her father-in-law Judah along the roadside. She, she, again, she realizes Judah's not going to give her to her, his last son, Judah. She's a widow. She's got no provision for herself. Judah's neglect and abandonment has put Tamar in, the, in, in just dire circumstances. Now, that's not to say that she's justified in engaging in prostitution, but she thinks that this is her best option at this point because of what Judah has done to her. He's put her in this situation. It's interesting that she knows her father-in-law is so morally bankrupt that he would visit a prostitute. Again, says a lot about Judah's character. So verse 15, when Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot because she had covered her face. Now, I want you to look back at verse 12. Judah is making this journey with his buddy Hira, the Adulamite. He's not traveling alone. He is, he's with Hira the Adulamite when he stops to proposition what he thinks is a prostitute. If, if, you, have, if you have friends in your life that, are, that you're comfortable sinning with, you need to get new friends. If, if you have friends in your life that, that you can just freely sin and they don't say anything to you about it, or they actually help you with it, you need to get new friends. You want friends that encourage you to follow Christ. To live for his glory and exhort you to love and good works. So verse 16, he, he turned to her by the way and said, please let me come in to you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. So she said, what will you give me that you may come into me? So they negotiate a price here. And he said, well, I'll send you a young goat from the flock. So she said, will you give me a pledge till you send it? Then he said, well, what pledge shall I give you? And so she said, your, your signet and cord and your staff that is in your hand. And then he gave them to her and went into her and she conceived. So she arose and went away and laid aside her veil and put on the garments of her widowhood. So they, they negotiate a price and note here that Judah gives her his signet and cord and his staff as a pledge. Again, those things aren't very meaningful to us, but for somebody who understands what those are, is living in this time when they're reading it, what? They're going to write what in the margin in their Bible next to this verse here. Judah used his signet ring or his signet to, to seal documents. The signet was on a cord. He would wear it as a necklace. And so she, she asked for his signet and his cord. This is, this, is, uh, this is one of Judah's most prized and valuable possessions. It represents his identity, the signet. And the staff here, when she asked for the staff also, this is not just some walking stick that he picked up along the roadside. The staff, it, it was the staff that designated Judah as the head of the family. The staff represents his authority and position as the head. If you're taking notes, you can jot down Numbers chapter 17, verse 2. We don't have time to look at it now, but you can look at it later. And, and Judah hands these things over to a woman he meets on the street corner in exchange for just a few minutes of pleasure. His most valuable possession, 
his identity. And the symbol of his authority and position. He doesn't hesitate to hand them over to this woman. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 26 says, A harlot can reduce a man to a crust of bread. And that's what you see here. It's incredible what we will hand over for sin. Especially sexual sin. We will hand over our most valuable and prized possessions. We'll hand over our identity. We'll we'll hand over who we are as a person. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, he'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. We'll hand over our marriage. We'll hand over our family. We'll hand over our reputation. We'll hand over our career. We'll hand over our friendships, our relationships, our household for sin. This makes me so thankful for Jesus Christ. Because all of us have handed over something to sin. And I'm so thankful for Jesus Christ who sets us free from our bondage to sin through the cross. So that we no longer have to be slaves to sin. And he sets us free and he restores back to us all the things that we gave away for nothing all the things that we lost, and He makes all things new for us. So verse 19 now, she arose, she went away, laid aside her veil, put on the garments of her widowhood. And Judah sent the young goat by the hand of his friend, the Adulamite. So his friend, this, this friend of his, is, is participating in this sin, helping him out with his sin. Again, if you have a friend like that, you need to, you need to lose that friend. You don't need friends like that. And he goes to, to take this pledge to the woman, but he didn't find her. Then he asked around the men of the place, saying, Hey, where, where's the harlot who was openly by the roadside? And the men said, Well, there, there's no harlot in this place. So he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. Also, the men of the place said there was no harlot in this place. Then Judah said, let her take them for herself, lest we be shamed. For I sent this young goat, and you have found her not. So, you know, just Judah has no regret, no shame about his sin. Verse 24, and it came to pass after about three months that Judah was told, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has played the harlot. Furthermore, she is with child by harlotry. So Judah said, bring her here and let her be burned. Our sin looks a lot worse on others, doesn't it? 
You know, when it's, when it's someone else, we want, we want the harshest possible punishment. But when it's us, we want the mercy of God. Right? When it's, when it's someone else, let them burn. When it's us, be merciful to me, O God, a sinner. Right? You know, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Our goal should always be restoration, not condemnation. And we restore with a spirit of gentleness, considering ourselves. And, and he says, you know, considering ourselves. The idea is, you know, we could fall into the same sin as this person. We're no better than them. And so we want to be gentle in the way that we restore them. So verse 25 now, Tamar is brought to Judah and she's sent to her father-in-law. And then she says, by the man to whom these belong, I am with child. And she said, please determine whose these are. The signet and cord and staff. Again, these look familiar to you. This is the guy that got me pregnant. Now look at verse 26. So Judah acknowledged them and said, she has been more righteous than I because I did not give her to Sheila, my son, and he never knew knew her again intimately is the idea. What a statement that Judah makes here, that Tamar is more righteous than I. Again, we we might look at that and say, well, wait, she she acted as a prostitute here. How is she, she more righteous? Because Judah did not fulfill his responsibility as the head of the household and as the patriarch of the family. And that's how important this was in their culture. Tamar actually is the hero of the story. And Judah is the villain. And so, verse 27, now it came to pass at the, at the time for giving birth that, behold, twins were in her womb. And so it was that when she was giving birth that the one put out his hand and the midwife took a scarlet thread and bound it on his hand, saying, this one came out first. Then it happened as he drew back his hand that his brother came out unexpectedly. And she said, how did you break through this breach be upon you? Therefore, his name was called Perez, which means breakthrough. Afterward, his brother came out who had the scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called uh, Zerah, Zerah. And so, from this relationship between Judah and Tamar came twins, Perez and Zerah. And you may be wondering at this point, <laughs> why is this even in the Bible? Such a strange story, such an unusual story, such an inappropriate uh, story in some ways, I suppose. Why, why is this even here? Well, turn with me over to Matthew chapter 1 and we'll finish up with this. Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, we have a, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And some of you are thinking, oh great, you're taking us from Genesis chapter 38 to a genealogy. Like this is such a step up for us. Now we're going to go through a bunch of names. No. Matthew chapter 1, you have the genealogy of Jesus Christ that shows he's the Messiah, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Verse 2, Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Look at verse 3, and Judah begot who? Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram, 
Tamar and Perez are in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. They're in the messianic line. The Messiah came through this relationship. The Messiah came through Judah, this guy who has just abandoned his responsibility to his family, this totally carnal you know, man governed by his flesh, a man who visits prostitutes, a man who has no regard for his family. The Messiah came through him. And the Messiah came through a woman who acts as a prostitute. You know, you, you, would, you would think, you know, at least in our minds, that, that the Messiah is, will come through, you know, the, the most pristine, pure family that's ever lived. <laughs> there's, no, there's no trace of sin or anything questionable at all, right? Just this perfect family. But in fact, there, there are quite a few bad apples in the genealogy of, of Jesus Christ. There's quite a few messed up people with really messed up stories. There's sinners in the genealogy of Jesus. Now let me close with this. You know, you, you might be here today, and maybe you have a really messed up life. Maybe you come from a very messed up background. Maybe, maybe your family is just chaos and just, you know, generations of sin. That's the kind of people that Jesus uses. That's the kind of people that Jesus uses. Maybe you're here, you've made some really bad mistakes. Well, listen, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your mistakes to redeem you and then to use you and use your life for his glory and for his grace. It's the grace of God. Right? Grace is undeserved kindness and favor from God. And God chooses you, he chooses me, not because we're so good, not because we've, we've lived this perfect life and we have this, this uh, perfect pedigree. He likes to choose sinners. And he likes to choose broken people. And he likes to choose people that have made big mistakes. And he forgives them through the blood of his cross. He redeems them. He restores to them all the years the locusts have eaten. And he makes all things new. For his glory. So that people look at you and they look at me and they don't say, well, of course God picked him. Or of course God picked her. Look at his perfect life. Look at his perfect family. No, people look and say, wow, what a gracious God we have. That he would use you and he would use me. That he would make us the children of God. Us. You and me. And not only save us and redeem us, but then use our lives to reach other people. Come on. What a gracious God we have. And Lord, we thank you for it. Thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you for choosing us. We thank you for dying for the ungodly. We thank you, Lord, that you can take our 
ashes of a life and make something beautiful out of it. For your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He asked me how I know And I say Rings truer than the finest crystal Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Genesis verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we encourage you to keep reading on your own. As you go through Genesis, it's important to not lose sight of the bigger picture of God's plan. You get some valuable insights into God's character through this book and how He interacts and intercedes with those He's created. Would you like to listen to more teachings from this series or explore other message series from God's Word? If so, visit our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to the Ring of Truth podcast. It's a great way to keep connected to the teaching of Scripture. We'll notify you every time we upload a new episode. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We also want to encourage you to find a church home that will help guide and support you in your walk with the Lord. It's important to spend time in fellowship with other believers. The body of Christ functions best together after all. If you're ever in or near the Columbia, Maryland area, we'd love to have you join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Visit calvaryec.com to find directions and get more information about joining us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in Genesis right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.